So, you know, we've been talking a lot about the industry, so I, I kind of want to switch gears and just talk about, uh, you, you had mentioned earlier that uh, you love to dance and, you know, mm-hmm. you've coached and trained. Um, what other hobbies do you have, like, do you have, like, things that you enjoy to do, you mm-hmm. know, on your day off? It can be travel or whatever, just... You know, we're just yeah. trying to get to know you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I love to travel, and I'm a little bit cautious in terms of um, I haven't been out of the country other than Canada when I was a young girl because I was thinking about it, and I was like, I can't believe I haven't been because you kind of think of what are bucket list things if I could afford mm-hmm. it or do mm-hmm. it where I would go. Um, so I think about, of course, everyone thinks about Paris and Italy and the food and yeah the wine i mean oh my gosh i'm french wine is is me you know so i think about if that opportunity came i would love that so again i loved visiting canada as a young girl but i don't have any really strong memories of the food one of the places i worked made a wonderful poutine and cassoulet and uh, so i got to taste really traditional french cuisine um you know just being in the industry but, um, you know, as far as other things, I mean, I was so immersed in dance, which is so complimentary as a server. Again, the, the hours were, were wonderful. To, and um, We do pay a little bit of a price with our friends and family for working holidays and weekends where a lot of them don't. Yeah. You do miss out on opportunities to really connect. And so I do feel a sense of, of loss in that area because sometimes, you know, your cousins grow up so fast and things like that. And I love to go to their hockey games. That's one of one of my favorite things, um, you know, f- with my family, yeah. mm-hmm. but I did, you know, again, you get to uh, kind of get a little spoiled and get to travel because you can take time off. It's not like working a corporate job where maybe you only have two weeks of vacation. Now, again, going to the um, union job, we, we are lucky enough to have PTO that accumulates yeah. mm-hmm. each year. And, um, but we get a lot of opportunities for request off. So we don't have like a limit super flexible so i've been able to travel you know i had a lot of fun i went to los angeles for new year's eve one year yeah a lot of um our music friends um meet up and we went another year to austin texas for new year's to the um, austin city limits which was a blast and um for me i feel like those experiences you in life i think experiences more than material things really stay with us and those connections and again you know i've gone to shows in chicago so those are really my i love gigs you know going to concerts and shows you are usually around really like-minded people everybody obviously likes the same music if you're going to a concert you all like whoever's playing yeah but there's a vibe there that whatever it is whatever you like i'm not really into punk but you know if you there's a vibe there too so um yeah for me i just I felt I've felt so lucky that I've had those opportunities with the PTO and with the flexibility of the scheduling. Um, and the thing about um, being involved in dance as well as the industry, and I think where people get the misconception that um, serving is easy, you know, going back to my first job, you know, thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I can do this. And mm-hmm. you don't even know what it entails because <laughs> for people that haven't done it or, you know, think not everybody, but some people think it's an easy job. It is not. And especially if you do it well. Absolutely. Um, but same thing with dance. So it's very um, similar in terms of the best dance teams, the best units, the most cohesive, um, the most um, that execute a performance well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the same thing with service. If it's seamless, you, you don't really want to notice your server. You, hopefully you're going out for an experience with the people you love and friends and family. Mm-hmm. So you want to have an experience and some people are very social and they want to talk to the server and that's great too. That's fun too, whichever, you know, to each their own. Um, everyone's different, but I think if you're someplace out immersed in your experience with your loved ones and your friends, you're getting great service. Your, your drinks are always full. Your, you know, things are being cleared when necessary. And, um, there it's not intrusive, but there's a seamless flow. You almost don't even recognize when they're coming and going as a server. Mm -hmm. Same thing with a great dance. I mean, you can see when people make mistakes, but dance is hard. So a team that's looking, you know, executing a dance really well. It's the same thing. It's difficult. It's technical. And it takes a long time to get it to look that great. Mm. But once it's seamless, the goal is to make it look like it's easy. So if you're getting great service, that means that all sorts of things in the front and back of the house have to be clicking. And that's kind of how I always, I guess, looked at dance too, where it's the, the, the competitors that win, you know, first and second place, it's, it's very difficult but they make it look easy. Yeah. And, you, you know, we were talking about that earlier, about all the cogs in, in the wheel, in the machine, you know, fine, mm-hmm. fine-tuned machine, um, where your, your bussers and your bartenders and your hosts yep. and your dishwashers, culinary, front of the house, your management, you know, how supportive they are. All of that is, um, I probably went off on a tangent from the original oh, question. That, no, that's that's <laughs> but, awesome. I mean, I, I like the way that uh, you approach it. You know, it's very descriptive and using that analogy of everything has to be in sync, mm-hmm. you know, with dancing. I mean, I'm not much of a dancer, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the way you explain it. I think no, you give I, it. I think that's a great analogy mm-hmm. where you're absolutely right. People, yeah. It's when everything like, is working, it seems super cool it looks easy and that's the goal it's not but you know there there's a look a seamless effort to it and even when you're very very busy it's as we were talking about earlier before we started um recording you know when you're really busy and everything's really clicking it feels awesome because we're all addicted to adrenaline in this industry i mean let's face it and so when you're very busy and we have a phrase for that that i won't use i mean i know it's a podcast we could probably say it but i won't be <laughs> but when I'm you're when to... you're you know what to the to the wall you know yeah. and anyway the point is is that it's the most fun and when you work with really high quality chefs and people and you look around and everyone's just pumping it out things look good you know it's it's fun and there's a yeah. lot of pride there so well it's one of those things where it's like i find it's it's always amazes me that i feel like the more you make the most mistakes when you're slow Mm-hmm. it's true because your <laughs> like, brain is on pause yeah, your brain is just, just kind of the intensity isn't there <laughs> it's exactly. not there so it's mm-hmm. like when it's slow like you know somebody messes up you know when that's when you kitchen, forget to like, ring that ticket you're kind of exactly. checked out mentally you're just <laughs> you yeah forget you need, that hands and the other. yeah you yeah. need that 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 high energy that's right yeah but yeah when everything is going nuts Want to talk about food a little bit? I mean, I guess we're, we're chefs. Yeah. <laughs> so they, so we always say. have to bring it back to the to the food. But yeah. uh, what's one of your favorite dishes or food mm-hmm. that you love? Uh, so I I have grown to just love seafood in general. Okay. So um, I guess I, I love, gosh, you know, you love a great butter sauce of any kind, any mm-hmm. flavor with 
salmon or shrimp or, you know, I just really love seafood and I love a great steak. So um, before I worked at the steakhouse that I work now, um, working in um, fine dining previously, there was, uh, you know, the, the food is phenomenal in fine dining just because um, there's so much creativity with the chefs. Yeah. So when you look at chain restaurants, a lot of times things are kind of, um, it's not as creative. It's kind of their mm-hmm. standard kind of boring salads or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at kind of the um, standalone restaurants or even higher end, um, something that I really noticed about moving into the, the place that I work now is that you try things you hadn't tried before. So before I worked, you know, where I work now, I, I don't think I ate scallops, for example. Uh, I maybe wasn't exposed to them as much. Yeah. But they also can be done. They, if they're not done properly, they're not good. So I've come to love true. scallops, and I never was familiar with that before. So I've just, you know, maybe for people that grow up with seafood, it's different, but I didn't have that experience. You know, I had single mom, and we kind of had traditional food in the house or when we would go out, it would probably be a chain, you know, with our extended family or what have you. And, um, you know, bread pudding that we make at the, on the Christmas season, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that, where I'm like, wow, this is phenomenal stuff that I just wasn't exposed to. That's just our, our recipes are so, um, traditional and they're, you know, we make everything with quality ingredients, you know, real butter, all of the just amazing things that, make food taste so good just not not microwaving thing you know things mm-hmm. like where you go out and you have sometimes have an experience and you think oh this isn't That's it's not good. real it's not you know not necessarily yeah or like, it's out of a bag yeah so wow. um i just i'm amazed and again going back just so proud of our culinary and i think that there hasn't been any other place i've worked where and even i think they're closed now but even i loved the food at Napa Valley Grill and Mall of America years ago. I think they're closed now, but I worked there um, for a short time, probably a year or so, maybe a little more. Um, and I can't remember the chef's name. I think it was Jeremy, but I literally can't remember his last name. And he was so talented and the food was so, so, so good. And then went back with friends later and he wasn't there anymore and the food was still good, but it was different. You can tell. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. But so where I work now, it's, I just can't find a comparison. Our, our food is so phenomenal and we have a really large menu. So when people ask and our lunch menu is a little bit different from dinner, but a lot of things cross over and people ask what the best things are and it's hard. And some people, a lot of people will trust your opinion. If, you know, if you're really honest, well, okay, I like this a little more than that. You know, I think you'll be happy with most of our items, but sometimes you'll get those people look sideways at you as a server. Oh, you're just saying that everything's good. It's like, no, we have phenomenal food. Like I'm telling you, you came to the right place and not every place can say that you can't. I just feel so proud as a server. I don't have to, you know, kind of fib or, you know, tell, you know, tell a little fib to, to everything's to phenomenal. Yeah, and some no, things, I... some things are more traditional. I mean, you know, than others, other things are more exotic, but it's like the pride that you have as a server, you can stand by pretty much everything on the menu. I mean, you know, you're doing it. I just literally go home and pray. And I think, I hope they never change the menu. You know, if we have changes that ever take place, I hope they always stay true to this um, traditional. I I keep using the word traditional, but I'm thinking um, I'm missing the word that I want to use, but it's just 
foundational? Like, the the like food is like... not, there's no shortcuts. I mean, our, like you guys know, because you've both worked <clears> there. <throat> I mean, our staff, we close the dining room for two hours or three hours, depending on when we're open. You know, we have different openings depending on what events are going on. Yeah. But, you know, when people ask about why the bar is only open, you know, being connected to a hotel, we still have service, but it's mm-hmm. just more limited. And when guests ask the question, I just tell them, you know, we have such a hardworking culinary, they make all their sauces for the night shift. So they leave, you know, they pull their product from the line at lunch and they bring them all down on these large carts. You know, I don't know if you call them speed carts, but then, you know, the night staff gets all of their stuff roasted off the vegetables. Everything is fresh and Mm -hmm. it's genuine. It's not, again, we're not microwaving things. We're not taking shortcuts. We're making sauces from scratch every day and everything is fresh it takes time. It takes time to yeah. do it that way. And it's, it's the right way. And it's, I just have so much pride in it. So yeah, I can't imagine, you know, I think that's amongst other reasons, you know, the benefits and stuff. It's like, it's why you don't want to leave because I, there's not another place I could go. I'm sure there are, Yeah. but you know, there's so few places that do it right like that, where it's just quality day in and day out. And there's, there's no shortcuts. Yeah. So. I feel like, you know, as a, you know, as a chef, it's, when you work at places like that, those places teach you to have certain standards when it comes to food. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you decide to leave, wherever you go, you don't want to go back, you know, to, you don't want to regress in That's a certain right. way. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to make everything fresh. Like you say, you know, that quality food has to be, you know, this time, in, you know, you have to put the time into it. You really have to, you know, like, on your craft and like you you want the guests when they're tasting the food to know that this was made with like care thought and like mm-hmm. lots of labor behind it like mm-hmm. it's not just something that you throw in the microwave and like put it on mm-hmm. plates and send it out to you like you it's what it i feel like for me uh going out especially like i go out be, most of the time because i'm like i want to go out and i want someone to make me a nice meal Mm-hmm. you know like as chefs you know we know we can make that at home mm-hmm. but sometimes you want somebody to make you you know nice, yes. a nice <laughs> meal and you just want to be you know taken care of mm-hmm. you know so to speak absolutely so, yeah. I, I think well and especially for us but also for the wait staff having that pride behind the food where you drop off a plate and you're like no this is yeah. This is gonna be good. Yeah. This is gonna be bomb. You're gonna <laughs> it love is. It. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I mean, <laughs> that's just like, and like you said, you never want to not work at a place like that once you yep. have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get the same the same question where I work now. They're like, okay, well, because we have a chef counter there. Okay. So I'm, they let me interact with people a little bit, but yeah. People, so what's good? I'm like, honestly. There's not anything bad on here. Mm-hmm. You know? I love when people ask for a couple, they narrow it down because the menu is big, at least for us. Yeah. And yeah. then that way you can kind of navigate with, oh, these are the two or three items I'm looking at. Because if you start with 50 items, it's What's like, good, yeah, do you like seafood menu. or do you not like yeah. salmon? Yeah. Because obviously, yeah, like you're saying, it's such high quality that where do we begin? Do you want a burger tonight or would you prefer a chicken salad right, or something? Absolutely. You know, how do you, how do we want to work this out? Cause everyone's got different, you come in sort of craving things too, but um, I love food in general. I'm so, I'm not, there's not a lot that I won't eat in terms of ingredients or things. And I, 
you know, I'm conscious of the world we live in. It's like, okay, I want to maybe reduce my footprint a little bit. I think about my meat consumption, but I also yeah. think about, oh gosh, you know, I just love, you know, yeah. bacon and steak. steak. I'm like, <laughs> oh gosh. And even a rotisserie chicken. I mean, I, yeah. I don't t- typically order chicken when I go out because I can make that at home, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people can, it's pretty standard, but I don't judge people that would order rotisserie chicken because we do it one. We again scratch. One we roll. We right. ro- do it's, a rotisserie chicken really yeah. well. Those so, rotisserie chickens were bought. Yeah, they really were. But uh, yeah, I I love it. Oh, you're right. It's hard. It's like I can't imagine being someplace where you kind of know that there's things like you know they're like oh I wouldn't get that. It's like the last yeah. place I worked had a dish that I hated, mm-hmm. and I was the chef there, and they I was just like, can we please get rid of this? Can we? <laughs> It's not great. It doesn't bring it. There was nothing great, mm-hmm. good about it. it didn't even make a, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, we could, there's so many other things that we could do with it, but it was there forever. Mm-hmm. So it must stay. It was like a, at that point, a staple. And that's where it's frustrating if you don't have creative control, where it's, there's overhead, where it's kind of people maybe aren't as in touch with it making the decisions. And you're like, oh, I don't the, know about this. The hardest part I had was finding a replacement. Because whatever the dish was that I would put in place wasn't going to be a moneymaker. So it's like, well, just let that dud sit there. Because whatever you're bringing in still isn't going to make us a ton of money. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay to reduce the menu, too. You don't have to have a huge menu. And if you can do that many things well, but a lot of places cannot do a huge menu really well. Like, sometimes it's nice to focus and bring it down a little bit, too. You have a concept that you go with, so... And I feel like, you know, that place that you're mentioning, um, it also was because I feel like you had a lot of regulars. Like, it was a place where your regulars always yeah. were there. Yeah. You know, so sometimes that makes it also tough when you want to change stuff on the menu because it might be like that one guy that orders that stuff. So we have to keep it on there for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Don't even I still, but I, if you have the ingredients, you can still take it off the menu, and he can come in and get his and regular. Yeah, we do that personally. too for our guests, for our regulars. We'll take something off, but we can still make most. The, of it the wasn't the regulars weren't ordering. <laughs> that that's what I'm saying. I think it's so funny how passionate Chris is about this because we all have that dish where yeah. we're like, "Why is this on the menu?" It and it's go. like it's literally like a, a controversy within the ranks. You're like, yeah. you know, and then oh, when they I finally f- take something off, because where we work, it is a little bit more. It's still, it's not really as corporate as other chains and stuff like that. We I wouldn't consider us a chain, but we do have a family of restaurants, and there's some corporate. Um, decisions that are made and so sometimes you run across that where you're like oh man we servers and culinary will talk about it yeah but you might not have be part of the decision making process but I think for the most part they're pretty good but again we're going with a big menu and so you think well there's something for everyone so that's cool too but yeah it's just in the, when you're in the industry it's I giggle about it because you know we have those dishes that are like the bane of our existence we're like oh my god take it yeah. off oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but it's it's fun you kind of laugh about it but yeah so um so i like to ask this question just because i i'm an avid reader so i always want to know what people are either currently reading Mm -hmm. or what's one book that's like changed your life like you're ready and it's like oh my god i love this (laughs) book so i think that Part of my evolution as a human is that I need to start reading more nonfiction. This isn't something that I've 
geared towards. And I think oh, I need to I need to have some fantasy and some nonfiction. So I'm going to probably look at just some traditional things that friends have talked about. Um, I think one of the ones, um, one of my high school friends and actually former roommates, she had, I think it was the hunger games. Are you familiar with that? Yes. I haven't read it, but she was just like, you know, and I don't, is it, it's kind of easy reading, correct? Or is it yeah, like, a, yeah, okay. Easy to look for, yeah. So, I mean, and I've not read the Harry Potter, you know, like, I feel like I'm out of the loop with a lot of kind of pop culture stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, I really dive into documentaries and things like that. And I end up, here's what I end up doing. I end up picking up all these great books and I love having books. I love like a full bookshelf and, and having things. And I think that I've tried to force myself to be more of a reader than I am. I have a little bit of a short attention span. So I'll read a couple chapters and I'll put it down and then I'll start another book. <laughs> but I want to say that the one that's so popular right now in kind of the, um, I guess, the terminology is a little different now, but it would be considered like the self-help community. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score by um, Bessel van der Kolk, I think, um, is the author's name. And a lot of people are familiar with it when you look at um, the physical changes that happen um, between the brain and the body when we experience trauma or negative events. So often, like looking in the past, um, the way that psychology is looked at, like mental health or people going to therapy one-on-one, or even um, when you talk about the the nature of addiction where people go to AA or they talk in group yeah. settings. Sometimes group settings are really good for some people and work well. Um, but the traditional model is to, like talk therapy or different things that have somewhat become antiquated. So this book came along and it just blew people's minds because it it talked about how the science has really driven us to a point that's phenomenal in its breakthroughs of showing that your body physically registers these events and there's a physical reaction. So we're all familiar with fight or flight, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but that part of the reason we kind of stay in bad habits or we maybe do some self-sabotage or we might not make great decisions is that the brain is trying to figure out in a situation where something might've went wrong, maybe your heart was broken or maybe something happened. You might fixate on it, not because there's something wrong with you, but because um, the, the brain and the body felt that fear and is register that almost like a computer as danger mm-hmm. that when it, you want to avoid that in the future. Yeah. So your brain and your body are working in, in really that the body is more in control than what we realize. There's a physiological response that causes us to think and behave when so for so many decades we've thought that, well, we can, you know, just change your, your thoughts or yeah. think positive, mm-hmm. but that it's actually really physiological that there's way more nerve receptors kind of going to the brain and saying, this is danger, this is danger. Things that people wouldn't normally think is dangerous. You know, if you grew up in a situation at home where you, um, maybe had a chaotic environment, there maybe was some neglect or even abuse, you maybe feel comfortable in, in abusive relationships, which is crazy to think about. Like, that doesn't make sense, right? But yeah. for people trying to figure out how to heal, um, those kind of, these kind of books or these um, breakthroughs let people know that actually love and comfort and safety can feel boring if you grew up in chaos. Mm-hmm. So it's just really break it, it to me. It's, it's wonderful. And I promise myself I'm going to finish the book because I, I have it, but that community surrounding that it's, I just feel like it's freeing people from feeling like they failed if they're making 
the same mistakes. Um, but I thought, you know, since I've kind of bounced around with different books, um, I mean, I like I'm, history and politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've grown up, um, I, I grew up really studying the Third Reich, really being yeah. fascinated by how it got to the point that it did by the time the Holocaust and the concentration camps happened, how the society got there. Yeah. And it's it's similar to like Jim Crow South and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. for me, um, I studied that from the time I was in junior high. So those are books that I've read that related to the Holocaust. And I kind of think about the movies that I love um, oftentimes are based off of true stories or off of books. Okay. So I feel like, you know, audiobooks. Um, I'd like to get through The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, I think his name is. But um, And if anyone wants an older movie that I think was based off a book, although I'm not sure, one of my favorite movies still to this day is The English Patient. And it's, um, it, I think it won Best Picture of the Year yeah. that it came mm-hmm. out. Uh, but it's one of those where before they won, I hadn't seen it. And people were like, love it, hate it, which happens a lot with some of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I saw it the first time, I just was so moved and moved to tears. And I was touched and every and I own it every time I've seen it throughout the years. You know, it's not one that it's it's really deep. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. one that you can just watch all the time for, you know, yeah. for yeah. laughs. It's, it's not a comedy. Yeah. But um, but it's one what I love about a great movie. And I think that are based off of really great books, too, is that um every time you watch it, you learn something new or you get a different insight. Mm-hmm. And so the, the intent of the, the producers and the writers comes through the creativity, but the, the common human thread, the common elements in the movie. So when you can watch a movie like that, and it's, it's a long one, but, and get something different every time I'm like, this is a masterpiece. Cause every time I watch it, I see something about the politics or about love or friendship or betrayal, whatever it is. So that's my long story of I don't necessarily finish books <laughs> once oh, I start yeah. and I think oh my gosh you know I guess I'm not as much of a reader sometimes you want to put yourself in a conformed box it's, that you, you can't yeah really it's tough uh I mean I was like that for like a year ago actually like I went through like James Baldwin's book mm-hmm. like all his novels mm-hmm. I read like probably like 15 of his a couple of years ago okay and wow. honestly after I was done with that, it was really hard for me to pick up another book mm-hmm. because I was used to his style of writing. Okay. And mm-hmm. the way, you know, and the way he just spoke to you and it, it was just easy, like, you know, yeah. turning the pages and then anything I picked up after that, it was like, I was kind of like, it was like, yeah, this is not doing it for me. So I'll try to like read something else, you know? So it took me a while to get out of that funk just because yeah. his voice kind of like almost stuck in my head with right. you know, the style that he, right. he wrote in and how he was very expressive. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, you go through those moments where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. After a few chapters, you're like, yeah, this is not working for me. Yeah, here. and I, I was a voracious reader, like junior high, elementary, junior high, high school. I loved reading. And I enjoyed a lot of the books that we were given for assignment in college or high school, for example. But I think about that. I was like, I loved it. But you know what? Social media, I've lost a lot of my attention span. And I would love to kind of we set that aside them. a little bit and get back into reading because it's <laughs> so mean, easy to guys, scroll. It's <laughs> yeah. so, it's like... <laughs> Sending, sending <laughs> memes like, did you see this one? <laughs> right. See, uh, I'm the opposite though. Like, <laughs> if I open up a book, there's only like two books that I've opened up, and I'm like, I can't read this. 
And one of them, I'm pretty sure, was like a cult book. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I can't. There's no way I can go through it with this. But I'll, I'll power through it. But I feel like after you do read a bunch, mm-hmm. then you're just like, Ugh. also, there's Netflix. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, that makes, I'm just saying. Like, I, that is very true. <laughs> I a lot of those books I've read, but I haven't. I mean, I honestly, and I think about that all the time. I'm like, I haven't read anything recently. But I'm I'm in the I'm stuck in nonfiction. Everything I read is nonfiction mm-hmm. or a reference book. Well, something. and nowadays, so much is going on in the world. Yeah, that I feel. I feel torn because I want to keep learning and keep uh, stay aware of what kind of right now I'm really um, focused on what kind of legislative bills are passing in, in different states with, with medical freedom and some things that people aren't, a lot of people aren't aware of. And I find myself feeling frightened. And the only way that I can deal with the fear is to take action because one of my mottos is really action cures fear because you can really worry yourself sick, really physically sick. And, um, there are a lot of scary things going on. And Absolutely. I guess I feel like everyone should be active an activist for something. Um, but when it comes to bodily autonomy and what the government can actually tell us, what kind of medical procedures that we should, you know, be basically forced or mandated to have, that's yeah. really a scary going back to things like looking at the history of the third Reich or, you know, experiments that were done even in the States here on people, um, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's deep and we won't, we won't go there with, you know, with, with this podcast, but I think that it's, it's tough because I think, well, you kind of need that nonfiction as an escape so that you can kind of get back to a fantasy world. And I think it helps balance out yeah. that, but I also feel like I don't want to waste time. You know, I want to really study and learn. And when you're looking at legislative bills, you really need to know some legal, um, terminology and yeah. and be really abreast on that because when it comes to your rights my gosh we we always pride ourselves on living in a free country and it's like wow things are changing really fast and i think that knowing your your rights from a legal standpoint and why they pass these bills because if your rights are infringed upon it goes with the passage of that legislative bill first Absolutely. and i think even if you don't want to be involved in politics people research and get involved with whatever it is that you're concerned about because you're going to find that you're going to just feel more in control because our voice and our action is what we have control over. Not all of us have money or influence or power, but so I think that's where I'm at too. It's like what I read and consume right now, I want it to be for a higher purpose for humanity, for society, you know, making sure that we can retain our rights in what we feel like is a free society. We see mm-hmm. other societies where there's different oppressive things taking place by the government. It's fr- frightening to think we could end up maybe even with a closed society, you know, censorship and stuff like that. Oh, we don't want banned books. We don't want, you know, internet banned. I mean, it, there's a lot going on. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's where my reading is at right now. It's like, oh, I need to balance More it out to, to not get man. frightened. <laughs> but it's Yeah, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. So you got to balance, have those fun moments. You know, I... Our local theater was showing E.T., the movie E.T., for you know for the month of February, every Wednesday and Sunday. And I just saw the last showing last night. It was so fun to go back to that <laughs> childhood movie. And it's a little cheesy. I mean, it's an 80s movie, but it's, oh, it, yeah. it's so fun. It's a classic. It is. It totally yeah. is. It's nice to kind of Fantasy. Though, yeah, those mm-hmm. things. It's like, 
Wow, we really like that back then. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> Terrible. And of course, of course, I was so excited about, you know, towards the end, I didn't get the scene with Elliot in the bike when he first learned, you know, when E.T. first takes them up on the bike and yeah. over the oh, over yeah. the forest. So I'm like, I'm going to get this on Instagram. You know how you want to post something to your story so at the end (laughs) well at the end of it so i'm you know i'm in the theater so excited like oh this is the perfect moment to post in my story so i think i'm recording and it's not on cam it's not on video it's on camera so the whole time i had pressed i had taken a a photo (laughs) so it's like you know the theme music and there you know all the boys are rescuing et and getting getting him back to the spaceship and you know the government was trying to chase him down and you know so they could follow him and steal him for their, you know, experiments. And it was just funny because I went back to look at my phone. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I couldn't even get my, you know, social media blip right about this. Right. I didn't even get the video. But so that's fun. You have to have a little fantasy and be able to, to let yeah. loose because there's a lot of serious stuff going on. In the Absolutely. World. And the escape is definitely something that, you know, we all need, mm-hmm. uh, but not too much Stay of healthy. it. Otherwise, like you said, then you're not aware of. Yeah, the legislation that have been passed and mm-hmm. passed, and then you wake up one day and it's like, oh, you're you like, know, what? What's going on? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's important. Thank you for that. Um, that was really good. Um, I feel like we we kind of sort of are, you know, touched on a lot. Of touched on a things. lot of things. Um, yeah. I guess one thing that I would want to know is overall, what is like your philosophy? Uh, it doesn't have to be just about, you know, your work, but like in life, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, are, you know, your philosophies, mm-hmm. you know. I feel like, um, gosh, so going back to social media, you know, as, as we all get older, we kind of look at different generations. We look at our parents, our grandparents, we look at people younger than us coming up younger adults and we look at the changes and every generation kind of is like, oh, those young people, you kind of start, mm-hmm. you know, looking and thinking there are things that you of concern, you know, people being buried in their phones and things like that. And one thing, there's so many platitudes all over, all over social media that are really basically not true, not helpful for people and kind of simplify life and, oh, just do this or don't do this or cut out this person. And, yeah. you know, if they're not everyone's toxic if they're not perfect. It's like, well, let's let's put the brakes on that a little bit. Yeah. Because we are all human. We all make mistakes. And I think there's room for forgiveness, but there's also, we do have to make sure that we're around healthy people. You know, going back to science, we, we sink brainwaves when we're with people. And so whoever we spend the most time with, whether it's our person we live with, if that person's abusive, that you sink brainwaves and you, you pick up some of those patterns, those habits, your friends, if you're, if you're just out constantly, you know, drinking and so forth, there's a lower energy level there. And there, you know, it's good, good to go out and have fun, but are your friends entrepreneurs? Are they, are they trying to get, you know, kind of reaching for goals and, and tr- trying to evolve? I'm a big believer in evolution, not necessarily in the scientific physical form, but of your mind. Yeah. And I feel like whether it's reading books or learning about things, learning about history. Why? Because we don't want to repeat the harmful parts of history. We know history repeats itself when people forget. So we look at younger people and we think, gosh, people don't know this history and how some of these bills that are being passed or some of these things that are happening can be really harmful, harmful language, people dividing people, you know? And I think even though I'm not a fan of platitudes and I think when you're trying to better yourself, you can be susceptible to thinking, oh, you'll read a, a quote or a platitude and you think, oh yeah, that's right. I should, 
think that way or do that. It can be harmful. So you have to be careful what you consume. Yes. Uh, mentally, you know, what you're reading, what you're looking at. But one of the ones I love, and I don't think I'll get it, the quote perfect, because we've all, we've all seen it. I'm sure if you're on social media at all, you've seen it. But it basically says that you can judge a person's character by how they treat people who can do nothing for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm such a big believer in this. I, I think that we all, well, I hope, my hope for humans, humanity, yeah. and I know for myself, is something that um, I've always felt drawn to is giving to people who may be down on their luck or less fortunate. You know, living in St. Paul in Lower Town for so many years when I did, um, there's always, you always see the same homeless people. Mm-hmm. Some people are a little bit more aggressive and I don't feel safe around, but there are certain people that are just really just surviving. They've been homeless for decades Mm -hmm. and you get to know people's names and and things and I would just give cash you know kind of not where it was it can be dangerous there's strange things that have happened to people when they're super generous people have wound up in in in, you know in harm's way but I think when you're discerning about it and you give it also makes you feel good you're helping somebody else get through another day I mean when I was transferring from Minneapolis to St. Paul and when I lived with that friend that I mentioned from high school and I was living out in Brooklyn Center and taking the bus and the train, um, there was a gentleman uh, gentleman who was digging in the trash. And I had enough time. If I missed that train, I would have been able, I would still have made it to work on time if I took the 10-minute later train. Yeah. So this person was digging in the garbage. And I thought to myself, and I've always given my whole life, and I th- I'm so thankful I was raised that way. But I, I started to cry. I couldn't keep walking. I had to turn around. So I turned around. And I had 20 bucks. Somebody tipped me well the day before. I was on my way to work. I have a job. I have a good life. You know, we're so lucky in America. We forget that. Mm -hmm. Even the poorest among us are really fortunate. People can get welfare. You know, there's there's safety nets. But this person probably just wanted something to eat. Mm -hmm. And people throw away food all the time. That's maybe they didn't even finish their sandwich, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's so sad. So just, you know, I, I was sad and I came back and I said, excuse me. I mean, this person wasn't asking me for anything. Right. And I just said, excuse me. Could this, would this be helpful to you? And just handed him a 20. And he was beside himself. You know, he had a walker, so he has health problems. Who knows what he's gone through in his life? I'm not going to judge this person. And he was, thank you so much. You don't know. And he was amazed. He didn't see anybody walking by. He didn't ask me for anything. He wasn't panhandling. And then I lost it. And I was absolutely bawling on the way back to the train. But I felt like I had to. I could not go to the train and see that and not do something. And that's just how my philosophy has been with this, the perpetually homeless people that I became familiar with in downtown St. Paul. And I think that, you know, I've had experiences in my life where, unfortunately, where there's, you know, some kind of just hostile or toxic, like bullying. I hate to, I hate to use the word, but you call it what it is. And there are some people who genuinely feel better if they're laughing, making fun of people putting people down, you know, they, you know, the type where they yeah. come to work and they're gossiping about people, you know, from the time they clock in to the time they clock out. And it's always somebody new, just always. And I think to myself, that's where you get your energy or your self-esteem. Yeah. I don't relate to it. And we all, we've all done it. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal mm-hmm. at all by any means. We've all been in a situation where we might giggle about something annoying in someone. But I think to make it a lifestyle, I'm just glad that I can't relate to that. Yeah. I feel like, constantly evolve and make yourself better. And when you find yourself pointing fingers or when you find yourself thinking, oh, well, you know, 
I'm better than that. It's like, wait a minute, take a step back. We all make mistakes and we want to just keep growing and kind of look honestly in the mirror and think, what was my part in this? If there, you know, it was a relationship gone bad or a friendship where you fell out or, um, there's just so many opportunities to just grow and evolve. And I think it's beautiful. And gosh, I just, for people, any way that you can give doesn't have to always be monetarily. If you can volunteer, some people have more time than others, but Mm -hmm. it really does make you feel good. And I guess I'm just really glad that that's where I get my energy, where I feel like a million bucks. You know, I mean, we are in this industry. We, we caretake with people, anniversaries, birthdays. Sometimes we have people come after funerals and you gave them a wonderful experience, but people get engaged, you know, in our fine dining establishments. I mean, there's so much joy out there that we're a part of. And so it's, you're not just serving food. Like we're a part of, if you do it really well, we're a part of really magnificent pivotal points in people's lives. They will remember that dinner or that lunch or that brunch, their baby shower with all their friends and their family. They'll remember that for years, maybe the rest of their life. And so Uh giving and, you know, us being a part of that, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, culinary doesn't always get all the props, but it's like, it comes from that, that craft made with love, that dish. Mm -hmm. And it just goes, I mean, we think about the best times with our family and our friends and our own lives. That's surrounded in a table with memories, you know, our grandparents. And then when they pass, we remember our grandmother's cooking. I mean, it all ties together. That's true. A lot of memories are built around food. Yeah. Giving and making people happy. And I think that it might be underestimated how much we do that in the restaurant industry, that we really give so much of ourselves. And yeah, um, yeah, I think that that kind of leads me to the next thing of we're giving a lot. And there's a lot of... um, we, we work those holidays, we work weekends, we, you know, we're basically working a lot when other people are having a great time, mm-hmm. which is, is fun, but it can deplete you. We need to recharge. Yep. And we do have those addictions and those issues in the industry that are probably more prevalent in our industry, those mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So I'm just so pre- pleased to see, and if we have time at the end, I'll mention a couple names, but some of these nonprofits that have sprung up, especially in the last couple of years here in Minnesota and the Twin Cities, to help people deal with, you know, getting the resources they need to get help with mental yeah. health and addictions, because it's nothing to be ashamed about. And it, it can really, really damage people's lives. So I think that um, hopefully that all ties together and people can see, you know, giving to one another is really where it's at. Um, gosh, we, we see a lot of greed in the world. And it's not just at the one percent or the higher echelons yeah. where people are making a ton of money. There's great, and you know, amongst our Everywhere. ranks, amongst our hourly workers Absolutely. too, people mm-hmm. who will never do something nice for someone unless they get something in return. It's like, yeah, do it because it feels good. Do it because you're making somebody else's life better. So no, I um, we talked about this on our podcast, like um, you know, starting in the kitchen, you know, on the line. It's like we've had so many chefs that were just assholes. Yeah. You know, like yell at you, profanities, maybe sometimes throw something at you. Yeah. You know, and it can be abusive. It is. It can be abusive, but it's like for us, for Chris and I, when we're talking about it, it was like once we got in the position that we're in where we're Mm -hmm. now chefs, it's like, why would I want to be like that? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So do you think it's getting better? In think, the industry, because I think it has with the Me Too movement, we've seen people being called out. Oh, absolutely! You know, very well-known names. We've yeah. seen it in the press and the news. And we, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. But I think that that's one angle. That's yeah. one angle. But I think the other angle is like now the the sort of our generation, we kind of looked at that and we knew 
you know, even uh, you didn't you know, want to perpetuate that. Yeah, because we don't want to perpetuate that. We want you're a young chef, line cook, chef. and it scares you, and you're like, exactly. do I speak up or am I going to retaliate against? Yeah. Can I lose my yeah? It's... So it's like one now that we're in that position, it's like I'm not going to make your life miserable mm-hmm. or not want you know, or make mm-hmm. you feel like you don't want to come to work every day. Right. You know, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I train you properly, that, you know, you're happy to come here. You want to learn, you know, take you under my wings, you know, right. and we all make mistakes, you know, but like completely lose your cool where it's like, like I've been in kitchen where like chefs is like throwing plates. At, That's like, right. 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 You know what I mean? And like the disrespect behind that, it's just, it's appalling. So I, I, I do think that, you know, as Chris said, I think that's changing with mm-hmm. younger chefs. I think we're, we're trying to have a better place for everyone and, or even service. Like, you know, it's not just the cooks. Like those type of chefs, they're mean to everyone. That's you right. Know, service, right. You right. know, cooks, dishwashers, you know. And we're so interdependent. And mm-hmm. it's like, gosh, as servers, if a cook, I mean, the stuff that you see or get exposed to where if a cook wants to hold your ticket, it's not just that maybe it might affect your tip if they're holding your ticket or doing yep. something kind of retaliatory or just to power trip, whatever it is, it's not just your tip being affected. You could get a bad write-up, you yeah. know, if it, they yeah. say our service was slow, people forget about that. And it's like the most high quality places that is not allowed, but it, we all know that that's happened yeah. and we've experienced it. If you've been in the industry long enough and you're like, Whoa, like this is really unethical Yeah. because yeah. if you're holding tickets, if you're doing things that are, intentionally sabotaging your coworkers, yeah. man, that really goes deep into people can get in trouble with management. And nowadays everything's online on Yelp, yep. open table, all these different things. And so yeah. you want to make sure, you know, I know for me in any situation where I felt like I had to stand up for myself, you do take the risk of retaliation. It's like you, you don't want to be in a position where there's a lot of power in different areas. I mean, as servers, you really are at the mercy of so many areas. Mm-hmm. If the hostess staff, you know, I mean, if, Maybe they give someone else more tables. Maybe the regulars that we know are really big tippers and big spenders, they get put in that other section. Mm-hmm. You have to be so careful. Yeah. And then, again, going to culinary, it's like if someone holds your tickets, that's another power struggle where you're just trying to do a good job. So we know that there are some dark sides of the industry. Absolutely. If a bartender doesn't make your drinks, make somebody else's drinks faster. Mm-hmm. I mean, all this affects your job as a server. If a busser doesn't help you or if somebody else is able to, with because of all the other things I just mentioned, if they make more money, you might not even be tipping them less, yep. you know, but there's the coworker over here that he's always got the reputation. He, he doesn't tip enough, you know, so people talk badly right. about him. And then there's, but then there's kind of these ranks in, you know, in the team. Yeah. I think the best places make everyone part of the team and people aren't pitted against each other because man that can really affect service but you know as an individual too Mm -hmm. and how do you navigate that so I just think hopefully things are better and when you're talking about abuse in the back of the house too it's like man you really take a toll that goes back to the book I told you about your body physically has reactions cortisol adrenaline you can't stay in fight or flight day after day after day and be healthy. Right. People go drink after work because their body needs to decompress. Mm-hmm. And the evolutionary example they use is that if a tiger chases you and there's no more threat and you can run or you can go into your cave, kind of these really old programming systems in our bodies and yeah. our brains is that 
once the threat is gone, you can come back to baseline at your body. But if you're going to work every day and you're in an abusive situation, it literally deteriorates your health. It's, it's <laughs> scientifically proven. Oh. So going back to the addiction piece too, it's really damaging, causing the, a body whose immune system is damaged like that from stress literally will get sick faster. I mean, you talk about being susceptible to cancer and all sorts of things. There's a lot that goes on that it's actually scientifically proven. So a healthy environment is so crucial for people's physical health, immune yeah. system too, not just mental health. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, that's, you know, we have a lot. Uh, thank you for that. Um, I welcome. know you wanted to mention a couple of uh, mm-hmm. organizations, so we'll give you the time to do that okay. before we close up. So, And just, you know, feel free to uh, tell us what they're about. Um, yeah, what, what your, do they do? Yeah. yeah, what organization and, you know, how maybe how long you've, you know, been uh, working with them and things like that. Well, and I don't personally um, have experience working with the organizations. I okay. just wanted to mention just because – in us talking about addiction, which I, I think in the industry is really rampant, it's really important for Absolutely. people to know some resources. So, and I would encourage anyone that's interested in getting help or if they have a loved one or a friend, a coworker that might be interested. Um, there's a couple of things in the Twin Cities. So the Lynn Hall, which is in Minneapolis, okay. Okay. they do a Nourish series. Um, and I have kind of caught it on social media a few times. I haven't been to it, but it is... I believe on Sunday nights. I don't think it's every Sunday, but you can easily look it up. Okay. You know, Google whatever, however, whatever search engine that you use. So the Lynn Hall Nourish series is one. And that, again, helps people in the industry. It's um, an, another nonprofit yes. that, that raises funds to help people. Because like we mentioned, a lot of us in the industry aren't as fortunate to have the health benefits, mm-hmm. dental benefits. and. Along with that is being able to see a therapist, mental health. Absolutely. Um, and so they, um, I believe they're also correlated with what's called the Long Table Fund. Okay. So, uh, and I'm not sure if that's the Lynn Hall, but Lynn Hall is a kind of a community style mm-hmm. eating uh, restaurant. And so that the Long Table Fund or the Lynn Hall Nourish Series. And then there is another nonprofit that was uh, started from the owners of Smack Shack. Um okay. And about a year ago, I think now, maybe a year and a half, and that is called Serving Those Serving. So that's a nonprofit to help people that need those resources. So I would encourage people, whether you do or do not have health benefits, to look into those if you need help with addiction. Being mm-hmm. so, so proud of someone that can can keep and maintain that sobriety. Absolutely. Um, but the support system is what's so crucial. So, but we we talk about it in our industry, and I think more people should. It shouldn't be a shameful yeah, issue. I, so I would encourage people to reach out and not feel like they're um, isolated or isolate themselves mm-hmm. because the first step is just saying, you know what, I may relapse two or three times. That's okay. Just keep going back, you know, mm-hmm. because your life is worth it. There's people that care about you. So. I I think that's great. I think it's something that is not addressed enough especially as a manager and Mm -hmm. how how do you deal with someone that you think has an addiction problem it's you know how do you approach that yeah and i've been lucky where my my sister you know she 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 has her psychology degree and I can call her up and I'm like, I have no idea what to do. And she'll walk yeah. me through it. 
also with that, there's a lot of, as a manager, there's a lot of legal things that go into it. That's true too. Like uh, there was an instance. I'm glad you mentioned that. Th- there was an instance where somebody, somebody called off sick. We called somebody else. And then they called and said, well, you know, I was at happy hour. And, you know, I'll be there in a couple hours. I'm like, well, you can't have that person drive into work being drunk. Or the same thing is if you find out someone's Mm. been drinking at work, Mm -hmm. you can't send them home. Like, you can't, hey, you got to leave. Get in your car. Go away. And there's just, there's so many aspects that aren't talked about. Yeah. That's really true. With those areas. And, I mean... I feel fortunate that I've had to deal with those because now I know, but at the time it, it really sucked, mm-hmm. you know, cause you don't know what to do. Also, you don't, there's, there's a conversation that needs to be had and I That's don't right. think we have it enough. Well, Chris, I'm glad you mentioned it because I think another fear people have coming forward to their managers is that they're afraid of being typecast or mm-hmm. kind of looked down on. But the beautiful thing about Minnesota, and I don't know the exact legalities around it, but that if they're aware that there is an addiction problem, you're in a better position Mm -hmm. because if you miss work, if you oversleep, if you get sick and word gets around that you're, it's because you're out and you're, you know, it's not, you're not truly sick, but you're drinking and you're, you're missing work. And, Mm -hmm. and we know these things happen with addiction, you know, of all types, you know, alcohol, you know, everything there's Mm -hmm. prescription drug abuse, there's all sorts of things. Um, whatever it might be, I think that it's important for people to know that Minnesota, there there are protections for you if they know. If you're just hiding it and missing work, you can be fired. Mm-hmm. But if there is a history there saying you're trying to get clean, you're trying to get better, there are protections there. So I think that is important for employees to know that there, you know, Minnesota law comes first and that if you need help, it's better to speak up because if you start missing and you're calling off and you're, you're missing shifts, you're, you're going to get fired and it, you know, that'll really negatively affect your life. So just encourage people, you don't want to abuse it. You know, we've Absolutely. seen people abuse it and they still end up losing their job because they've been given too many chances. But yeah. the point is, is legally they, they need to give you a chance to get clean. It's, it's seen as a health issue and it's another great reason to live in Minnesota. I mean, it's really cold here, but yeah, <laughs> our yeah. people are pretty well taken care of. And I feel really fortunate about that right now with, yep. with, again, everything that's going on in the world. It's it's nice that we have laws that protect people yeah. when they when they falter and when they make mistakes because it's okay. But it's just you want to get back up again and do your best. Well, thank you for that and, yeah. um, you know, for providing those resources um, that was very informative and so anyone listening that needs help, absolutely, you know, seek the help that you need and just know that, you know, being in the industry, we know how tough it is. And That's like right. you say, mm-hmm. even if you relapse, you can always go back That's and true. just know that we're a tight community and we all support each other. Uh, I want to personally thank Rita for being here. Oh, today. it's been such yeah. an honor and oh, so fun. Much. So fun. It's, it was fun. We talked a long time. And yes, we did. <laughs> but it's no. good. It's good. Yeah. It's all great content. So. Uh, yeah, just thank you once more. My pleasure and my honor. Thank you both. So no. with that, we're going to end. This has been another Twin Brother Darkness podcast. Thank you all. Bye.